Today's episode is on Pulp Fiction. It's a movie which includes pretty extreme violence and depictions of sexual assault. So if you're in any way triggered or disturbed by these, um, these images or concepts, we appreciate your uh, giving us a shot, but maybe this isn't the episode for you. We'll see you next time. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon the greatest movie of all time. Today on the podcast, Pulp Fiction. Welcome, everybody, to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the podcast in which we watch every single movie ever made, and we try to determine which one is the greatest of them all. I am your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I am your co-host, Derek Smith. And today is an auspicious occasion because we, for the first time, have a special guest, uh, one Mr. Steve Constantino. Steve, introduce yourself to our audience. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Steve Constantino here. I'm, uh, I guess, I, I suppose I'm the first inaugural guest. I wasn't aware of this. This is cool. Special occasion, I guess. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Very special occasion. <laughs> Fantastic. And Steve, you have chosen our movie today. Tell us, what did you decide to bring to us? Well, today we're going to be doing the legendary Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino. Absolutely. Pulp Fiction. The 1994, again, we return to that year. Tarantino's always doing 94. Always 94. It's, it's adding a little wrinkle to our, to our Oscar discussion when we get there. Um, I know, I know, right? Yep. Tarantino's second film stars John Travolta as Vincent Vega, Samuel L. Jackson as Jules Winfield, Bruce Willis as Butch Coolidge, Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace, Ving Rhames as Marcellus Wallace, Tim Roth as Pumpkin, Amanda Plummer as Honey Bunny, a.k.a. Yolanda, Harvey Keitel as Winston Wolf, and a whole host of others. It's got a, an 8.9 on the Internet Movie Database, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 94% on Metacritic. Gentlemen. Damn. Let's talk about, as we do each week, our, our experiences you know, in seeing this movie the first time. Let's start with, with Derek. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I don't think I remember the first time I saw it. I think I just kind of knew of its existence. I heard the, the phrase Pulp Fiction a few times, and I, I knew it was a movie. It wasn't something my parents were into, and usually I got you know, my, my things from them. And I think I, just, I think I just went to Newbury Comics one day, grabbed Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and just banged both on one day. And I don't remember when it was, but I kind of feel like that's how it was done. Uh, no specific memory, but I just remember liking it off the bat. Yeah. Steve, how about, how about yourself? When did you see Pulp Fiction and, and why did you choose this one? I was really young, actually. My first, if we're talking the very first experience with Pulp Fiction, I was very young because uh, I heard uh, my older brother and his friends were over watching it, or perhaps it was my father. I don't know. There's a group of people I remember watching it. And all I remember is that intro guitar riff when they're with when um those those the the married couple they're like going to rob the cafe yep you know yep. that song the the the, the guitar that's literally one of my earliest memories as a human being is that guitar really? riff. and i remember just hearing it and like just being a lot of like 
screaming and gunshots. I'm like, what, what are they watching? So, but <laughs> the first time I watched it, that's a, I, I can't remember exactly when the first time I watched it, but that was my first recollection and experience with the movie as a young child. So yeah. that's, that's, that's my, that's my experience with it anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I have kind of a similar experience to Derek where I, I mean, I was too young to see it when it first came out. It's not something my parents would have watched, at least with me around. But it, it is something that when I did start to collect movies and, and you know, wanted to build my collection, I, I looked up, what are some great movies to start with? And this is definitely one of them. Tarantino's name popped up a lot. And obviously, I quickly realized that I have seen multiple parodies of this before I even saw the movie. You know, like, oh, for, wow. for example, there's a Pulp Fiction parody in Space Jam. I was recall. just going to say that. I'm so glad it was your first parody. Right. <laughs> I remember that from Space Jam, yeah. Well, that's the first one I would have seen. You know, I was eight years old, nine years old when Space Jam came out, so. Space Jam, wow. Yep. Yeah, like two two of the characters, it was like it was like Elmer Fudd and somebody else. Were in it's Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam. And Yosemite Sam, and they had the gun, they pulled out the guns like, uh, the, you know, Travolta yeah, and, and they, Jackson. They, they just said they have that guitar riff. Out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, so I mean, I... <sighs> It's something that I think we're all so culturally aware of, even if we haven't seen the movie, you know? Right, so it's, right, right, right. True. It, and yeah, that's so, a hallmark of a really, really um, influential movie, right? It's like, yeah. it's, 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 especially with music. Anytime, like, uh, and I think actually Tarantino commented on this as a director. If you have a song in a, in a very iconic scene, that song changes forever. And yeah. that's one of the things I've always recognized with movies like that, like, the music is so important in a movie. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of just studying that from, you know, when a song is in the background and it's a great scene, you're like, what a great choice. I'll never forget that ever. Well, Tarantino's the master of that, you know, from Reservoir Dogs, Stuck in the Middle with You, to... Dude, yeah. all right. So quick comment on yeah. that with Reservoir Dogs. Did you know that most of the budget was spent on getting the rights to that song? For yeah, that scene? I'm sure. It was, it, yeah, he was like, they were kind of cash strapped. So they're like, most of the budget went to that, literally just getting the rights to that song. And it was so, it's so cool when you see a director do that. Cause like it, when they invest in those, those things, it's, it makes such a difference. And like, it just, it creates like these yeah. cult classics as a result. And he can, and, and he it, continues to do this. I mean, let's think about, I mean, this movie, obviously you have like son of a preacher man, stuff like that, that is, is so iconic. And then even jumping ahead to like to to kill Bill, that like motif of the uh like the sirens almost. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. That's what, uh and then even like in Glorious Bastard, you have the David Bowie song. Even even though it takes place in World War Two. You know, it's it, <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. So he is he is really the master of that. So yeah, I mean, let's talk about what we came to talk about, whether or not Pulp Fiction is the greatest movie of all time. And in order to figure that out, we need to go over what happens in it. And this is a movie that sort of jumps around uh, a bit. So let's let's start where most great stories start, the middle. So pre-credits, uh, a couple, two petty thieves, as we find out from their conversation, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, sit in a diner and they discuss that they don't understand why anyone doesn't rob restaurants as opposed to banks or liquor stores or convenience stores, what have you. Right, they decide right, right. to rob the one they're in now. So they start to hold up the place and the credits hit. We don't see them again until the end of the movie. After the credits, we... I love how sweet she is. She's like, she's like a sweet woman. 
She's talking nice, and then yeah. she's like, "I need of you fucking move, motherfuckers! I'll execute every last motherfucking one of you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So cool. So after the credits, <laughs> we come in. There's two men in suits. We learn they are Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield. They're in a car. John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. They're discussing Vega's recent trip to Europe and alternate names McDonald's has for its items, including iconically Royale with cheese instead of a quarter pounder, which is another, yeah, that line sort of jogs my memory here. The episode of the Simpsons that I saw before this, where it's um, chief Wiggum saying, Oh, they they don't call it a crusty (laughs) burger with cheese. Uh, Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Dude, the Simpsons. Oh man. That's a, that's a whole other topic for me. The Simpsons that's one are. of my favorite episodes, like 20 stories about Springfield, something like that. Uh, I think I'll watch that after this. It's a classic episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the segment where he's like, at the very end of the conversation, he's like, he's like, what do they call a Whopper? He's like, I don't know. I didn't go to Burger King. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, so, it's, it's so subtle, but the humor is so strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, they get where they're going, and we find that it is uh, an apartment building. And while they're going up the, the elevator, Vincent is asking Jules about Mia Wallace. He's, uh, she's wife to Marcellus, their boss. Jules shares a story that he heard in which Marcellus badly beat a man, Tony Rocky Horror, for rubbing Mia's feet. And then we have an extended conversation about the sexual or non-sexual nature of a foot massage, because this is a Quentin Tarantino movie, and we're talking about feet. Of course. Yep. Uh, it's such a – oh, my God. You're so right about that. What is it with feet in Quentin Tarantino? Oh, he loves Uma Thurman's feet. There, if you watch Kill Bill, every fucking scene is a is a foot scene. Listen, if we <laughs> if we watch this movie, there's an extended foot scene, which we'll Dude, get to right. in a minute. Dude, not only that, it's just like when when Uma Thurman or you know Mia Wallace, obviously she she meets Vincent for the first time. It's her feet. Yes, <laughs> like in the yeah. in the fuck in the, yeah, you in the see apartment. Her, yep. You see her yep. lips, you see her hands, and you see her feet for a long time before you see yep. her, her her full face. So Quinn's got a Quinn's got a foot fetish. Bottom line, Quinn's got for a foot sure. Fetish. Yeah, nothing absolutely. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I, I advocate plenty, feet. Plenty, I, plenty, I, plenty wrong with that. I, plenty wrong with that. <laughs> I you know what you know what I'm a foot supporter. I'm a fan of feet. All right. I know. Right, I know. On. I know. All right. Not not as big a fan as Quentin, but uh, <laughs> but Vincent then reveals that uh, Marcellus has asked him to look in on Mia while he Marcellus is out of town and and take her out. So the duo enter uh, an apartment and there's a couple of young men who have taken something from Marcellus and they're weirdly eating like fast food burgers for breakfast. Whoa. Yeah. I have so many comments about the scene. It's not even this scene. We can go on forever about this scene. We can, yeah, we can do a whole episode about this scene. I, I think we should. I think this should be the episode about the Big <laughs> Winter Bread. This should I be will the episode. Say this, it's for, weirdly <laughs> enough, the, the actor who plays Brett, I actually watched a movie with him earlier in the day, and I was like, that was a coincidence. <laughs> he's in the movie, the, he's in the, movie the Doors. The Doors by Oliver Oh, Stone. Dude, he, play, he plays Robbie Krieger, the guitarist. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh crap, it's Brett." All right, that's that's gonna be the next episode. Well, <laughs> look at the big brain on Brett. Yeah. Uh, all, right, all right, real quick, I I apologize if I keep interjecting, but just so you guys know, I quoted this scene in Derek's my best man speech with Derek's wedding. <laughs> Remind me because I was there, but I, I don't recall a best man speech. What? Are you serious? You don't remember I, me? I remember you doing big Kahuna burger in front of so many Greeks and Italians, <laughs> and nobody got it, and I just Except- bombed like savagely bombed, yeah, he bombed in a lot. front of 
in front of a hundred Greeks and Italians. One thing I will say about Derek's wedding, there were a lot of Greeks and Italians. That's right. That's (laughs) right. And he almost (laughs) sneezed in the middle of the ceremony. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Anyway, moving on, moving on. So the pair intimidate the men, uh, including Brett, who appears to have a big brain, until they uh, give up the location of this item, which turns out to be a briefcase. And it's open to code 666. We never see the, what's in the case. But when they open it, it emits a glow. Dude. And the popular theory is that it is Marcellus Wallace's soul in the briefcase. So, Are you serious? Yeah, oh, you I never, this? ever thought that, ever. So Are you serious right now? Yeah. So, I mean, it, Tarantino meant for it to be just a MacGuffin. It's just like, it, there's, there's nothing. There, it, but people have looked in because the, the code is 666. Marcellus has a Band-Aid on the back of his neck. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, they took his soul out from the back of his neck uh, somehow. And it, it obviously, like, later in the movie, it stops a thief cold. Like, it just, Pumpkin looks at it and she goes, like, is that what I think it is? So that's the, that's sort of the theory. You guys can look it up, and I encourage our viewers to look it up. It's a very interesting theory. That's uh, amazing. Wow. It, was, it was originally, I think, written to be diamonds, but somewhere along the line, they decided, like, wouldn't it be a lot cooler if we just had this mysterious thing? Brett begins to apologize, but Jules, having none of it, kills his partner that's over on the other side of the room. And turning his attention to Brett, Jules uses a Bible quote, which we quote at the top of the, the episode, which I don't actually think is in the Bible. I think it's just made up for the movie. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I, I don't believe that, that that is accurate. I could be wrong, but that, that, that's Come what on, I've that's, heard. I always thought that was a real Bible verse. I've never checked or verified this, but go ahead. I really meant to before, <laughs> before the episode. I was like, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm sure someone will tell us. Uh, so right. the, the other thing that I always like about this, if you have ever watched – Captain America, Winter Soldier, Samuel L. Jackson's character, spoilers for Winter Soldier if you haven't seen it, Samuel L. Jackson's character fakes his death, and on his tombstone is the beginning of this quote. That's right, that's yeah. right. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So which, which movie is this one more time? This is Captain America, the second Captain America movie, The Winter Soldier. Nick oh, Fury, okay. Sam okay. Jackson, fakes his death, and you see his gravestone, and on the, the gravestone... It says the path of the righteous man, and then yeah, 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 that's right. So this is basically just Tarantino's like mind, like I think so, making up making up Bible verses. Isn't that so incredible? Just I, I apologize if I keep going on tangents, but here, but like that's what we're here with for. directors, right? I'm so into the universe of directing because like they they literally build a universe, and there's so many tools. Well, Tarantino himself. Also, his all his movies are in two universes. One is one watches the other, and we'll we'll talk about one of those is actually mentioned in this movie. Holy later crap! On. And he sets up something way in advance that when you hear it, you're gonna go, "Oh, oh my god!" Okay, well, make sure we dive into that. Oh, I will. Really I have it. I have it specifically noted. We're gonna talk about it. All right, good, 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 good. All right, good. <laughs> so, so we're, we're we cut to sometime later. We're in a bar. Butch, uh, a boxer, uh, Bruce Willis, is sitting across mm-hmm. from Marcellus Wallace. We don't see Marcellus's face yet. Um, and this is where we see the, the Band-Aid on the back of his neck. He's, Wallace is, is leaning on Butch, who's, he wants him to throw a fight. And he offers him an envelope full of money. 
Jules and Vincent enter the bar in which this conversation is happening, but they're in like gym shorts and t-shirts instead of they're now. Right. Yeah. When you picture them, they're in the suits. They, they have the briefcase with them. They give it to, uh, yeah, they, they hand it over. Jules steps away and Butch comes to the bar. Vincent and Butch have like a tense moment and Vincent calls him a palooka, which if, for those of you who don't know, is a, you know, basically an insult to a boxer who's a, who's a bum. Or I've I've heard Paluga is is basically a boxer that takes a dive. Yeah, it, it's it's interchangeable. Like it's yeah. it's very it's insulting to a boxer to call him a Paluga. Uh, right, great great song in the scene. Let's stay together by Al Green. Yes, dude, great. one of my favorite songs, probably of all time. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so like, how does Al Green do that? It's it's so fucking, and again, uh, with directors and music, perfect execution of just choosing the right song for the right scene. It yep. just, it works so well, and it just it burns it in your memory. You will never forget that scene. You'll never forget that song, and it becomes so much more iconic as a result. Well, well, how about music this? The song film? is how about this? Damn. The song is "Let's Stay Together," and what's Jules doing right at this moment? Uh-huh. He's splitting up the partnership. Right. That's true. I never thought of that. Whoa. Yeah. Dude, dude. I never thought of that. That's so cool. Later on, Vincent (laughs) is buying heroin. Uh, He's complaining to his dealer that someone, Butch, had keyed his car. Notably, the heroin is put in a baggie instead of a balloon because the dealer is out of balloons. I never made that connection that it was Butch. Never made that connection. Yeah. Yeah, no, Butch is is the one that keyed the car Uh, because – because uh, Vincent was a Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Are you, are you fucking serious right now? Sorry, I apologize for yeah. swearing. <laughs> That's all right. No. Sorry, we're, sorry, sorry. We're a pro-swearing podcast. You just said Butch keyed Vincent's Butch, car? Butch keyed Vincent's yeah, Vince, car. Yeah, Vincent, men- Vincent mentioned someone keyed his car, and, and Rick said that Butch is the one who did it. I'd never made the connection that he did that. But how, how do we what, – what is your supporting evidence for that? Sorry, because for that. right before this, we saw Vincent call him a palooka. And Butch was like, oh, oh son of a bitch. Yeah. Shit. Dude, wow. My mind is literally <laughs> exploding into several supernovas and separate galaxies right now from what you yep. just said. Fuck. Dude, if you keep talking like that, I'm going to key your fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> straight, to, straight to execution. Straight to execution. Right. So Vincent shoots up, and he drives over to pick Mia up. And upon entry into the Wallace household, Mia is unavailable. We get the famous sort of Vincent looks around confused meme. Vincent makes himself a drink and Mia does cocaine while he waits for her. And then this well, is here we get the, the extended shot of, uh, of Uma Thurman's feet. Because again, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie. She's got good feet. She's got good feet. I'm a, no. I, listen, I, I can't judge. No. I, I'm not a foot guy. I, I can't judge whether or not these are good feet. I have terrible feet. She has the ugliest, ugliest fucking feet in Kill Bill. <laughs> First of all, all right, Rick and Derek, what is your beef with feet? That's I don't have problem. a beef. It's have, just not my thing. I don't have a beef. It's just not my thing. I think, yeah. I the think, same exact yeah. thing. <laughs> I think you guys have a beef. I think you guys have a beef with feet. Move on. Move all right, on. all right. This is going to be a 13-hour episode. Let's this, go. Well, next episode will be the, the, the greatest feet of all time podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fantastic. I like it. So Vincent and Mia, they go to a 50s-style restaurant called Jackrabbit oh, Slims. You guys ever been to a 50s restaurant? fucking know uh, but i want to i've been to like i think it wasn't like the north shore mall had like that like rockets place johnny rocket shop it's Johnny so, Rockets, yeah yeah it's like 50 style i've never had the 
the actors, the waiter, waiters and waitresses as actors. Oh, that, that would right. be great. I have been to one that has been like the theme, like they're in, like there's pictures on the wall and stuff like that. It's, 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 it's fun. This one is, this one's over the top though. Their waiters. Yeah, Quentin, Quentin found a way to get Steve Buscemi in this movie. Yes. Their waiter is Steve Buscemi is Buddy Holly. <laughs> so he's, so forever uh, Steve Buscemi can say he played Buddy Holly. Vincent is appalled that Mia orders a shake that costs $5, which is just so quaint and so 1994. Oh, Steve Buscemi asks her, he's like, do you want it Martin and Lewis? Martin, yeah, or... Martin Lewis or Amos and Andy, so vanilla or yeah. that means that, yeah. that means white. That means chocolate or vanilla. I never knew that. Yeah. Dude, you just read my I was literally just going to comment on that. Yeah. And they're kind of having a back and forth at this point. Uma Thurman just has this way. She's looking at John Travolta like she wants him for dinner. And Vincent yep. is either too high to notice or he's trying not to get thrown off a balcony as best he can. Uh, <laughs> so Vincent then uh, actually brings up the Tony Rocky Horror uh, situation about the, the foot massage. Mia denies that this was the case, uh, but I'm not too sure. I think that uh, I think she you know, may that's be funny. Fibbing. I, I, I don't know. I kind of believed her when she said that, when she's like, the only thing Tony Rockahara touched was her hand when when she shook his hand or whatever. For me, instinctually, I, I believed her, but you're saying uh, you don't believe her. I, I'm saying I don't know. Okay. I'm saying she's she is keeping a lot of things from a lot of people. Wow. Wow. And she so made you up. Think, so you think there was a foot massage and – uh, Marcellus Wallace knew that and threw him out the. Honestly, no, I don't think so. I don't I think. Don't... If if anything, Uma Thurman was lying completely because she she was even like a foot massage. Are you joking? Which made me imply that maybe he he fucking fucked her or something. You know. Whoa. I think that was, well, that was her first reaction. She was like, "Oh, does it have anything to do with the f word?" Right. And like, why her mind immediately goes to sex. Yeah, and she she like pretty clearly, but. Is gonna is is going to make a pass at, at Vincent later on? Yeah, they, they're they're pretty chummy when they get back and they're dancing, so. and they're dancing around in the in the yeah. in the house. For me, it was like okay, they're a little bit too close for comfort. Well, as there's a even the, woman. well, there even there's even the line where they have the you know, yeah, Vincent asks like, oh, was that another awkward silence? She goes, oh, I don't know what that was. Right, so right. that it's was a, it's a, that, super. Yeah, yeah, she's really flirtatious with him. She's very flirtatious with him, and I, I don't know if uh, it's. I don't know if anything but, happened, but so if I was Marcellus Wallace and I found out someone gave my wife a foot massage, you know, for for entertainment purposes only, I think I'd throw that person out the window as well. For well, entertainment let's say purposes you're, only. Let's say you're Marcellus Wallace. You're a career criminal. You may or may not have a soul. I don't know. Right. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Oh, I'm saying honest, she... honest, honest opinion for you guys too. Uh, your wives, if someone gave your wives a foot massage without you knowing, would you give them the chance to throw them out of a window? No, it depends. On, it, it's situational. It's situational. If the guy was like, listen. No, no, no. There, there, your, listen, there listen, is no situation. No well, way. Situation no way. He was like, listen, I, I listen. I hate feet, but I did it because she was in pain. I was just helping her out. Bottom line. No fucking, no way. No way. It'd be very situational for me as well. It would depend on the person. Do I know the person? If so, Do I trust the person? Right, exactly. I will bring hellfire. And and to continue the story as well, as far as feet goes, they get on the stage to dance and they both take their shoes off. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. Let's go back to this again. This is a Quentin Tarantino movie. 
feet are sexual. <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Feet are sexual. There's so much foot. Yeah. Foot. Not only with the foot the foot I've massage, never, with the I'm constant stuff. Uh, I'm not saying that I dance a lot because I do not dance a lot, but when I do dance, I don't take my shoes off. Even when I'm doing the twist. Speaking of that, they their conversation is interrupted by the announcement of a twist contest. They then have an extremely iconic dance scene. Another little Quentin Tarantino touch. Later on in the movie, when Butch is going back into his, his apartment, he walks by a window and you overhear on the radio something something robbery at Jackrabbit Slims. Really? Uh, yes. So what happened is they did not win the twist contest. They robbed the trophy. They robbed they stole the trophy. <laughs> So, oh, oh, by the way, I, I, I missed something here. So while they're, they're talking in the booth, they, they both light a cigarette. And I really, like, despise the smell of cigarettes. I've never smoked. Like, I've just never liked the smell of it. But I got very nostalgic for, like, a smoking section in a restaurant. I don't know about right. you guys. I, I miss I, – honestly, I miss, I miss the smoking section in Spuds. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was thinking as well. Rest in peace, Spuds local restaurant. So, but this is also in the in the booth, by the way, is where we get what we referred to to earlier. Mia describes to Vincent a pilot she was in called mm-hmm. Fox Force Five. Okay, about five women who are an assassin squad: Uma Thurman, a right. blonde a blonde woman, a right. black woman. A Japanese woman and a French woman. Kill Bill. Bill. He adapts that line from Pulp Fiction into two movies. The people in the Pulp Fiction universe watch that movie. Pretty intense. It's like it's like it's like it's like Tarantino Inception. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It really is Tarantino Inception. Yep. So the the dance scene happens, they return to Mia's house. And they're flirting pretty heavily, like we said before. Vincent excuses himself and looks in the mirror, and he's talking himself out of making a move, basically. Just go go back out, maybe have a drink, say goodbye. And while he's away, Mia just goes through his things. And because it's in a baggie, he mis- she mistakes the heroin for cocaine. Right. And she snorts a line, she overdoses. And Vincent sort of that walks out. Such, such a fucked up scene. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And she like immediately knows she fucked up. Like as soon as as soon as it hits, she's like, "Oh fuck!" And like, yeah, she's, yeah, she's out. yeah. Imagine that feeling. Imagine that feeling. Not only of smoking, of snorting heroin, but snorting the best of the best yeah. heroin <laughs> yeah. available right, in right. the entire world. We didn't talk about it, but yeah, it was established earlier. This heroin was like a madman. Yeah, it's the the equivalent of the like the heroin equivalent of like the Breaking Bad meth. Like it's the purest, <laughs> best fucking heroin, and she and does a lot of it. It's my favorite scene when he's explaining the heroin to me. He's like, these two are real, real, real fucking good. But this one, this is a fucking madman. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you'll know where that extra money's gone when you get the when you when you feel it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he shoots it. Oh, wow, what a fucked up scene, dude. And he's yeah. like, uh, anyway, anyway, go ahead, good. So. Vincent comes out of the bathroom, and by the way, it's a running theme. You may have heard of this. Every time Vincent goes to the bathroom, something bad happens. That's uh, true. Well, yeah. well, how many times does he go to the bathroom? So, oh, shit. You're right. He goes oh, my God. Three, three times. Three, three times. times. Yeah. Here, 
in the diner and in Butch's uh, apartment. So, Dude, how? First, wait. Quick side note: How the fuck does Tarantino think of this shit? Like, how does he have the mind? Like, you know, you almost have to have a degree to really respect, like, dig in, yeah, appreciate every second of every movie. You know what I mean? You need a fucking degree, man, to fucking understand directors. Anyway, go ahead. Especially Tarantino. So, so uh, Vincent rushes, uh, finds her, rushes her back to his uh, his dealer, and together they give me an adrenaline shot directly to the heart, which is not a real thing. And what are you talking about? That's not a medical procedure. You do not give. You don't stab somebody in the heart with a needle at any point. I thought you did. No. All right. That's cool. So Mia wakes up and she's she's lived through the the ordeal. Vincent brings her home. And she she tells Vincent that she's not going to tell Marcellus about this because she'd be uh, in just as much trouble as he would. And I they seriously doubt that. Seriously <laughs> doubt it. And they part ways that. with a Fox Force Five joke, and Vincent blows her a kiss, and they walk away, and pretty much exit Mia from the movie at this point. She has, she has a couple quick scenes afterwards, but yeah, she's she's pretty much done. And suddenly, wow. we are years earlier. And we see a young Butch, very young. He's a boy. And watching a really racist cartoon. Watching a very racist cartoon. And here comes Christopher Walken. And he's explaining that Butch's father died in a POW camp at Vietnam. This watch. This watch was a he family. Be gone. He be gone. You know, I know that was meant to be a walk-in situation, but that sounded a little bit racist, too. <laughs> I don't know against who, but somebody. Yeah, regardless, it was racist. <laughs> yes. I don't know what race that offended, but it was somebody. My apologies to whoever that offended. So Walken had kept a watch uh, in his ass, that which his father had also kept up his ass for years. And then he died of dysentery. He died of dysentery, yes. Now, and, little man, I give now, the walk to you. Now, I know that I'm, I'm a bad walking. I'm not going to do it. So, walking says he knows, you know, if, if the situations were reversed, I know your father would be talking to my son about the watch yeah. he gets in his ass. <laughs> so, so, suddenly, Butch, he awakens. He's in his locker room. He's, his memory was a dream. And he's about to go into the fight that he's supposed to throw. And not only does he fail to throw this fight, he kills his opponent in the ring. And Marcellus vows to track him down no matter where he goes. Butch is, he's interrogated by his driver's taxi driver about killing this boxer. What's it feel like to kill a man? And what Butch does it like, feel like to kill a man? Butch is I pretty much her. like, I'm so unbelievably really? attracted to that woman. She's really? so hot. All right. Well, but, we'll put it this way. Put it this way, Rick. I, 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 the reason why is I compare her to Butch's girlfriend, and I love her so much more because I hate, we'll get I to hate his girlfriend. We'll wait, get wait, to wait, that wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on. Butch's girlfriend, I, she's so fucking annoying. Oh we'll, my god. We'll be talking about Butch's girlfriend later. Believe me. She's so annoying. Yep. Anyway. So, and it's weird. Like, imagine you just. I mean, I just think of like I don't take cabs really. You know, we're not, in, we don't live in an area where there's lots of cabs, but just imagine your Uber driver talking to you like this. He's like, oh, that's a one star trip. I'll tell you what. Right, right. <laughs> so I don't know. Fuck it. I just, I just killed the guy. Don't talk to me. What does uh, Derek, what, 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 what she's like, what does Derek mean? I'm like, I'm American, baby. Our names don't mean shit. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so then, yeah, Butch, 
you know, reveals he's talking on the phone to somebody that he placed a giant bet on himself, I assume, with the money that Marcellus gave him. Right. And he's going to be escaping with uh, his girlfriend, Fabian. And there's this weird scene where Fabian tells him she wants a pot belly. I, I've oh, read online man. people saying that really what she's asking is she's saying she wants to be pregnant. But I, right, I don't think right. there's. I don't think there's a lot in the movie to support that. I just think it's like a weird scene. Mm, could could be a stretch. Could be a stretch. Yeah. You know. Well, what else could it mean? She wants a she wants a pregnant belly. I think she's just, she's just. I mean, Quentin Tarantino's a weird fucking pervert. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, there's <laughs> weird stuff in this movie. He likes feet and pot bellies. What do you want? Yeah, that's that's what he wants. One thing he apparently <laughs> also likes next. Yeah, you know, the next morning we briefly see Bruce Willis's dick, and I checked. We see his dick. He, what? Uh, we see when Bruce Willis is getting out of the shower. We get a glimpse of that dick. We get a glimpse of that dick. We see I didn't, that. I didn't realize. We nope. see. We see. Yeah, John McClane himself make an appearance uh, in this wow. movie. Wow. Yep. Wow. Didn't know that. Yep. Butch realizes that Fabian did not get the watch, the one thing she asked him. He asked her to do, and he's you know I got to get that watch. It's a family heirloom. Proceeds to flip the fuck out. He, oh, he freaks out about the watch. I mean, listen, I understand it's important. I understand it's in Walken's ass, and that's priceless. But right, right, right. You just leave, right? There's, well, fuck that. There's, if anything, if anything, I would have been, I would have been more mad at the fact that she wanted a slice of American cheese on her pie. Oh yeah, that's disgusting. That's fucking gross. It's absolutely like, disgusting. Screw the, screw the, screw the watch that's been through my family for generations. You put cheese do you know what on I pie? do? Do you know what I do? I go if I'm Bruce Willis, if I'm Butch. I go to wherever the hell I'm going, and I get the nicest – because apparently he's got enough money to live on the rest of his life. I buy the fucking nicest watch I can find, and I give it to my son, and I say, listen, I risked my life to get this watch. Right. This this represents the time where I could have been murdered, and I I, – Raped and murdered. Yes. Well, (laughs) he doesn't know that yet. Right. But it's like I, you know, and I pass this on to you as a a token of how our family always beats the odds, something like that. It's not the same go. as having it in Christopher Walken's ass. That's true. It's that's, way that more. Val- it's way more valuable. Keep it. You know, keep it in your ass on the plane ride down to wherever you're going. That's true. As long <laughs> as, yeah. All right. This is this is kind of a, this is kind of a stretch, and it's just kind of not even important. But it just came to my mind. Every single ancestor, like his father, grandfather, great, great, they all fought in a different war. But Butch, maybe Butch's war was like the Marcellus Wallace. Maybe it just goes to show you how big of an enemy he really is. Well, that's what it was. I, I felt this time Butch goes back down into the basement. I felt that he was thinking of his father and Christopher Walken. Really? Who were, who were prisoners together. Wow. Oh, wow. You know what? I never thought of that. That's really This is the cool. first time. This viewing is the first time that I was like, oh, he's thinking of two people who were, who were stuck in a prison together. And I guarantee wow. you Quentin Dude. Tarantino thought that, but maybe I not Bruce Willis. <laughs> I think, no, Willis is a, is a great actor when he wants to be. It's unfortunate right. that he doesn't really ever want to be. Even right. now, like if you, if you see him in a Wes Anderson movie where he's trying or, you know, so, somewhere where like with a director that he respects. Well, let's just say this. I, I heard that he was he did a Broadway version of Misery recently, and I heard it was, quite frankly, the worst performance of any actor in the history of anything. 
That's a weird part to do on Broadway. Apparently he didn't even, he, he does not try at all in it. Well, it's, it's also that, that role is weird to be on stage because you're just laying in a bed. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know how they stylize it, but anyway, sorry, but, you can move on. Yeah. So he sneaks back into his apartment. This is where we overhear on the radio that uh, oh. there's, there's been a robbery at Jackrabbit Slims and he's surprised and there's nobody there waiting for him. And he grabs the watch exactly where he said it would be. He makes an off-brand Pop-Tart for breakfast because he's getting overconfident. And he spots there's a, there's a gun on his counter. We hear a toilet flush, and Vincent emerges from the bathroom, only to meet his demise at the hands of Butch and the gun. Right. Butch leaves the apartment immediately, begins his getaway. He almost literally runs into Marcellus, and then literally runs into Marcellus with his car, hmm. which he crashes. They both wake up from the, the accident. And Marcellus shoots at Butch, you know, hitting a bystander in the leg, and chases him to a pawn shop. Turns out this is the worst pawn shop they could have chosen. <laughs> so the man behind the counter knocks Butch out. Butch is, is beating Marcellus at this point. The man behind the counter knocks Butch out with a butt of a shotgun and makes a phone call to Zed. Butch and Marcellus are woken up. They're tied to chairs with ball gags in their mouths. Peter Green arrives as Zed, looking just as scummy as he ever looked uh, he's, a, he's such a he's such a good scummy actor he is always the villain in the mask is what, mask, what i always yeah, think yeah. of when i see him and he's just yeah same here he just like he, your skin just crawls whenever you see him yep, uh, but right. he's he's a sheriff of some kind in this and he he tells the pawn shop proprietor just to bring out the gimp and we see the gimp is a man is in a full leather outfit and he's what, is he just, what, what is he a slave he's just like in a box that's what a gimp is he's a sexual slave he just sleeps in this box. He's like, he's extremely submissive. They, feed him? they have to. They keep him alive. But <laughs> yeah. he's just totally, he's totally submissive to them. Jesus. And Zed chooses Marcellus after being asked to pick which one he wants to do first. So Marcellus, and I just love the looks on, when they wake up, the look on, on Butch and Marcellus's face. They're just like, what? the fuck have we gotten ourselves into here? Yep, yep. So Marcellus is dragged away, and uh, Butch is left alone with a the gimp. There's sounds of struggle in the next room, and Butch sort of undoes the ropes, tying his hands, and he knocks out the gimp, and he probably kills him. And he, he, he goes to leave the store, and he has a pang of conscience right there. And he decides to help his the guy who was tormenting him before. First he grabs a hammer, he looks at it, it's not quite right. Whoa, whoa. For, real quick, Rick. Yep. Did you know that each weapon is representative of uh, different movies? It's a, it's a kind of like a tribute to uh, separate movies like that. I know the hammer was like Friday the Thirteenth or something like that. Uh, the the hammer would probably be Texas. Well, I no, guess the, the chainsaw the, would be Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, the chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know the baseball like, bat. So he grabs a hammer, not quite right. Grabs a baseball bat, still not quite right. Sees a chainsaw. Mm. Almost, but not quite there. And he sees a samurai sword. Beautiful. I wonder if that sword's in a Tori Hanzo sword. I had that same thought. My first thought before I remembered that they found it was like, I wonder if that's the sword that, uh, that Bill's brother hawked because it's a pawn shop. Oh, right. Because yeah, he but, does hawk it. You're he, right. No, no, no. Because they do find it in his closet. He's lying about it. Oh, you're oh, right. Damn yeah. Uh, that would have been such a and cool that, connection and it if he sold it that pawn shop. And it wouldn't have made sense because Kill Bill is a movie that Butch would have seen 
in this universe. Right, right, but I was right, like, right, for right. that one second, I would have been like, oh my god! But no, not quite. Yeah, yeah. With the sword, he goes back downstairs, and he catches these two men are raping Marcellus. Wait, before you before you could just talk about how long it took for Bruce Willis to, to get out of the chair, yeah. go find a weapon, get back down. How long was Marcellus getting raped for? <laughs> quite a while. Jesus, quite a while. So a solid <laughs> ten minutes. Bad, bad day. Bad day for Marcellus. Bad day for not, Marcellus. Well, yeah. yeah, not a not a good day. With the sword, Butch kills the the guy who's behind the counter. You know, he's holding Peter Green. He's holding Zed at you know to the the end of the sword. You see Marcellus just rise in the background, and he's unhappy to say the least. And he shoots Zed in the groin area, and basically says, "I'm going to torture. I'm going to get medieval <laughs> with, on that. Yeah, I'm going to without." Yeah, you know, in so many words, he says he's Yo. gonna bring a couple of guys over. <laughs> What's that, Steve? Uh, my favorite line. My favorite line is "Step aside, Butch." <laughs> Step aside, Butch. Step aside, Butch. <laughs> the only the only way that would have been better if that was Buffalo Bill, who was like "Step aside, Butch." <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Fantastic. So, yeah, Marcellus basically says he's going to get a couple of uh, his guys, and they're going to torture Zed to death. And uh, he and Butch are are done. And Butch steals Zed's motorcycle, goes back to Fabian, and uh, she asks him who Zed is, because Zed is on his keychain, I believe. And he replies, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. No, also, also, it's a chopper, babe. It's a chopper. Yes, it is chopper. Chopper, babe. Yeah. Yep. So exit Butch from the movie, and uh, with a, except for a very brief scene, also exit Marcellus. So uh, we're we're jumping around. So we're back towards the beginning of the movie, and we're in the apartment where Vincent and Jules they're menacing Brett, but we're in the bathroom, and there's a third man hiding in there. Uh, their man on the inside, Marvin, starts to freak out after after Brett is killed. And then the man in the bathroom jumps out and he empties a clip at Jules and Vincent, but he misses every shot. And <laughs> Jules decides. You said, you said man. What's that? He said, haha, you said man. That actor is now a woman and now dead. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, that's Which one of one? the, what's, yeah, the, the one who comes out of the, the bathroom with the gun and shoots, shoots well, and misses them both. Yeah, he, he had a sex change in real life. He became a woman and I'm pretty sure now she's dead. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Hope, hope, uh, <laughs> hope she hope she found happiness before the end, but right. at, at this point, uh, the, that individual is playing a character who's a man, and he jumps out and he empties a clip at uh, Jules and Vincent, but misses every shot, and then they kill him, and Jules decides that their survival was an act of God, and the three of them, Jules, Vincent, and Marvin, are driving away from the scene. Marvin, by the way, played by the great Phil Lamar, who you have heard his voice in pretty much every cartoon you have ever watched. But the three of them are sort of debating whether or not this was a miracle. Vincent turns to the back to see what, you know, see what Marvin's opinion is and accidentally blows his head off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before he blows his head off, he's like, well, you got to have an opinion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have an opinion. He's like, man, I don't even know. Well, unfortunately. No, 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 no. He's like, I don't even have an opinion. Right, right. Unfortunately, he didn't have time to develop that because he's dead now. And I love, uh, I love uh, Jules' response. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, some fucked up shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a guy in Inglewood. <laughs> calls, yeah. calls his dude. 
Well, no, they're not in Inglewood. They're in the Valley. Oh, right, right, right. And that's why they don't have any, you know, Marcellus doesn't have (laughs) any friends in the Valley. So so Jules calls calls Jimmy, played by Mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino, the man himself. Absolutely. And Jimmy is not happy about the situation, basically saying that if his wife, Bonnie, comes home and finds this scene, it would cause problems. He's going to get up. He's gonna get a fucking divorce. Fucking divorce. Get a divorce. No trial. Se- no trial separation. No counseling. A fucking divorce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, not even that. She, it seems like, is not not aware of his friendship with criminals. So she could. So it's like, if she comes home, find a bunch of gangsters doing a bunch of gangster shit. <laughs> she who knows what she's liable to. <laughs> right, right, right. So they need to uh, to get this this problem solved with the car cleaned up and all of that. Jules calls Marcellus, and Marcellus is the woman in this scene. It, I couldn't tell. Is this Mia? I always assumed it was, but you can't see her face, but it is kind of weird. No way. No way it's Mia. No fucking way. I didn't think it was. I, I, I couldn't tell for sure because you can't you see, see her, her, her face. You see her face, but her hair is wrapped up. She has sunglasses on. It ain't, it ain't Mia. It ain't Mia. It's not Mia. So you know what? This marriage has problems. You know, Mia's, right, uh, right off the bat. Right, right off the bat. Marcellus is cheating. Mia's probably cheating as well. I just don't think these two kids are going to make uh, go the distance here. That's just my, uh, my opinion. Uh, Marcellus assures Jules that he's going to be sending the wolf to help. And the wolf <laughs> is, is Harvey Keitel. He's a man named Winston Wolf. He's a, fi- uh, he's a fixer, talks and acts fast. Uh, Vincent takes offense to the wolf's demeanor right away and gets chewed out. Uh, please would be nice. Please would be nice. Pretty fucking please. Nice. Clean up the car. So, so pretty <laughs> please. Sprinkle the top. Clean the fucking car. <laughs> so Jimmy is expressing concern that uh, he's using his best linen to help clean up the car. Winston pays him off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if your aunt and uncle were alive today, they would furnish you with a whole bedroom set. Well, what sucks <laughs> about this is like now Jimmy has to like explain to his wife when she finds out what happened to our linen. He has to make up some stupid excuse. Easy. I, I threw up on it. I cut myself shaving and I bled on it. Right. I, I don't know. Right. But easier than being like, yeah, there's a dead guy in our garage. We had to deal with it. He's, <laughs> he's got a few minutes right. to make something up. I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure Winston Wolf was like, here's what you tell her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winston's the man. Yeah. So Jules and Vincent are like bickering while they're trying to clean out the car. Jimmy and Winston then hose them off because they're covered in blood and brain matter. Jules shouldn't be on skull matter. Uh, Absolutely on that not. Skull duty. You, you shot him. You should be back here. I'm going to clean the windows. Then they're, they change in the clothes. We saw them in earlier in the bar. And they, uh, they bring the car to a junkyard. And Winston takes the daughter of the owner of the, the junkyard out for breakfast. Did you guys recognize who that actress was? Yeah, that's the one who plays uh, – that's Pat, right? It's Pat, yeah. It's Pat, yeah. And then Vincent and Jules decide they are going to another diner to get breakfast themselves. So over breakfast, Jules and Vincent are discussing the benefit or lack thereof of eating pork before the subject returns to the miracle that they saw earlier or or didn't see earlier. Uh, Jules says that uh, this has changed him. He's going to walk the earth so God can put him where he needs to be and he finds his purpose. Vincent thinks he's being an idiot and he needs, he's just going to go be a bum. Now we see that this is the diner from the beginning of the movie and we know it's about to be robbed uh, vincent excuses himself to the bathroom uh, the couple uh from the, the opening of the movie pumpkin and honey bunny hold up the mm-hmm. diner and they empty the cash register and they start collecting wallets from the patrons until they get to jewels they get his wallet and they see the briefcase pumpkin 
tells him to open the briefcase. Jules opens it after first refusing. Contents are still unseen, but it's it's so beautiful. What is, whatever's inside this, it's so beautiful that the man holding him up is, is distracted. And Jules takes this opportunity to grab him, point his gun at Pumpkin, get reversing the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honey Bunny is beside herself. She's she's freaking out. She doesn't know what to do. This is apparently the first time any job has gone bad for them. Jules, uh, Honda, <laughs> I told you to be cool. We're all going to be a little Fonzies here. What's Fonzie, Fonzie like? What's Fonzie, Fonzie like, baby. Yolanda? He's cool. Yeah. That's it's right. What's he like? I'm, I'm Listen, proud of you. He, he, he keeps calling Pumpkin Ringo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jules is saying he can't give the case. <laughs> he doesn't want to kill Pumpkin. You know, he starts referring to him as Ringo, like you said. He tells Pumpkin to get the wallet from the bag, his wallet. The one that says bad motherfucker, which is the same wallet <laughs> that I have, Rick Barrasso has to this day. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Jules uh, gives him the money in the wallet, tells him the, the Bible quote from earlier, but he follows it up with this. And this is one of those times where no words that I can put together will do justice. And we're going to lay out and I'm just going to read from the script, a reading, Pulp Fiction. I've been saying that shit for years. If you heard it, it meant your ass. You'd be dead right now. Never gave much thought to what it meant. I just thought it was some cold-blooded thing to say to a motherfucker before I popped a cap in his ass. But I saw some shit this morning. Made me think twice. See, now I'm thinking, maybe it means you're the evil man. And I'm the righteous man. Mr. Nine Millimeter here, he's the shepherd protecting my righteous ass in the Valley of Darkness. Or it could mean you're the righteous man. And I'm the shepherd. And it's the world that's evil and selfish. And I'd like that. But that shit ain't the truth. Truth is, you're the weak. And I'm the tyranny of evil men. But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Can't fuck with it. Cannot fuck with with Tarantino's dialogue. Amazing. Amazing. And I I will say there's been a few times in my life where there's been some dialogue in a movie and I realized that I had the same look on my face as the actor who was watching the person say it. Right. This is one of them. The end of Blade Runner is one of them. Uh, Like there's just been a few where I'm just like, oh my God, that's the same exact look on my face. And it's just so powerful and Sam Jackson delivers it so well. The, Tarantino's words coming out of Sam Jackson's mouth is always a fucking treat. Yes, for sure. Always. And so with that, he lets the thieves go. Vincent and Jules leave the diner. And despite seeing uh, Vincent die earlier, he and Jules walk off if not in, into the sunset, maybe on sunset. I don't know where this uh, right, right. diner is. But uh, yeah, they leave the diner and they that's the end of the movie. Finn. Wow. So fuck, it's – did I, I mean, that, I think that's, that about covers it. Is there anything that we missed? Is there anything either of you want to say about it that we didn't, uh, didn't well, get to? Obviously, you know, it's – you know, seeing the movie is, you know, is yes. the best way. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. We we we're do our best to tell yeah. you what happened, but any but all of our but movies. I, go ahead. I 
I feel like what our, our, you know, summary here, especially from you, Rick, you brought a lot of things to light in, in terms of like um, just things you wouldn't have noticed, right? You know, things I, I never thought of, like who keyed Vincent's car, you know what I mean? Um, it, it's just the little, little Easter eggs you find in the movie. Like, I think, um, I think a lot of those were kind of brought to light in this podcast, which I think is really cool. And it's a, and again, it's like, it's so much like with movies are like the, oh, it just movie. It's a passive activity. It really is not passive. It's, it's such an active activity. Yeah. You have to really it, directing movies, cinematography. It's so involved. It's, it's so that I, I love directing. I love producing. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such another world to me, especially how like directors utilize color directors will use color as a yeah. language right it's such a cool you know uh subject right directing it, 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 you, we could literally talk for hours about it and we've only scratched the surface here you know with Paul right. and, and i think tarantino is the perfect example of one of those directors that really encapsulates what a what a real uh true director is and it, it hits all these all these uh, storylines, cinematography, little Easter eggs he puts in there. And it's like, you, you can watch Pulp Fiction a uh, hundred times. Yeah. And I'm sure you'd learn something new every time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 it's the subtlety that makes me, makes me think why he's such a great actor. It's this little tiny things. He, like, you could tell Tarantino will walk into a kitchen, even Bruce Willis's kitchen in the movie and say, nope, this isn't right. He, his kitchen would look like this. And to us, we don't even give a shit because we're focused on what's actually happening. But it's the little subtle things he puts in the different scenes. That's just amazing. But yeah, no, it's absolutely right. Every time you see a Tarantino movie, it gets a little bit better. It, it, it's, it really does. And, you know, his, his career, I mean, well, we'll talk about it more in a minute. But, yeah, and, and again, to, to Steve's point, while we, I think, do a pretty good job of summarizing the movie – Nothing beats seeing it. We you know, strongly recommend you know, any movie that we talk about, watch it and decide for yourself. You know, there may be people out there that think this is a piece of shit. We seems like we all three agree that's not the case, but you know, we watch it, make up your own mind. We're trying to figure out what is the greatest movie of all time. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's not. Uh, and trust us, if we're going to do an episode, it's either going to be something we think is worth watching or something that we think will be fun to make fun of. So right. let's, so, you know, trust in us. Every episode we do is going to have at least a little bit of something. So exactly. let's, uh, let's move on. And one thing that we do like to do every episode, we like to name our favorite thing and our least favorite thing about every movie we watch. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's start with the positive. Derek, you first, what is your favorite thing about Pulp Fiction? Uh, this is a absolute no-brainer it is the dialogue nobody I, i've never seen a film with better dialogue in my life it is so realistic it, nothing about it is superficial that is how people talk in real life whether they're about to kill somebody or whether they're going to lunch that is how people talk bottom line Derek, you uh you know how people talk when they're about to kill somebody I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, but, 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 but I'd like to think that like that's human nature. Like you're still chatting, you're still doing your thing, whatever. It's just so realistic. And Tarantino, he is a master craftsman at dialogue. Yeah. Steve, what is your favorite thing about Pulp Fiction? 
you know, not to uh, kind of continue on what Derek said, but it's, uh, he was, he said the dialogue for me, it's the story, the way the story is told, the cinematography, the Easter eggs. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's all these things wrapped up in one. And that's why I feel like Pulp Fiction should be on the short list of uh, people's, uh, or at least my opinion on what the best movie of all time is. That should be on anybody's short list, especially if you consider all all the subtleties, like Derek was saying, like it's just so subtle of what Tarantino does. And if you don't pay attention, you're not going to realize it. You're not going to really fully appreciate every detail. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's something, it's, it's, it's something you don't necessarily see right when you first watch a movie, you just kind of watch it. Wow. That was wild. But there's so many subcategories. There's so many sub genres and little yeah. intricacies that you don't necessarily pick up on. And it, it, that's why directing in movies, it's, it's such an art. It, it really is an art form. And mm -hmm. I think uh, people should like really, you know, dive more, do more deep dives into how movies are made, yeah. what the story is. And to me, uh, if we're talking about the uh, potential best movies of all time, to me, Pulp Fiction makes my shortlist. Very well said. Very well said. So there's, there's a lot for me. There's a lot. That, that you could single out as being the best. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something that we talked about earlier, but yeah, we didn't get, we didn't talk about yet in, in this category because easily it could be the dialogue easily. It could be the direction. I'm going to say specifically the use of music is the best thing about this movie. Really good point. Really good you know, point. Like just think about Mia. You, you hear son of a preacher man or oh, so good. So girl, good. you'll be a woman soon. Yep. You know, it, it's – or that, that guitar riff at the beginning. The music in this film, for a change, instead of Derek, I'm picking the music is the best thing. Um, I know. Usually it's me it, saying that. It, it is. And, you know, and usually I'm picking the dialogue. But you know what? I, I, let's, let's mix it up a little bit. But just – it creates – these songs are now brought back. You hear them on the radio because of this movie. It, yeah, and it's like – and sorry to interrupt, Rick, but like going back to the Al Green song um, – Let's stay together. Uh, yeah. yeah, with, uh, you know, Marcellus Wallace and uh, Butch, right? It's, it's, it gives the song, every time I hear that song, it's like, I think of that scene. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's like, that's when you know you have a powerful scene and like the director is doing his job yes. and creating those memorable moments. Yeah. And though, and that's burned into your memory forever with it. it that's, that's what's so special about those scenes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, unfortunately... No movie is perfect, but of we all have a, a least favorite thing, I'm sure, about this movie. And I wouldn't be and surprised we all agree. if it's the same one for all of us. Yeah. And it is, for me, Fabian. Fabian, for, easily for me, too. She's, she yeah, brings she the movie to a dead stop. Yeah, she sucks. You could worst. Worst character of the movie. You could cut. And that you know what? I bet you. I, I guarantee you, Quentin Tarantino will defend her to the day he dies. I'm sure. I'm no, sure. no, she she shouldn't have been in the movie. Yeah, that that part could have been cut out, I, and it could have been. Oh, Bruce forward. Willis! I left the. I'd leave in a hurry. I forgot the watch, and that's it. That's all you need. Well, well that's why. Much... Like, I would I would swap out those two characters. I would swap out Fabian for that girl in the cab. I wish that was his girlfriend instead. She was Ooh. sexy and a little bit more fun. Wow. But wow. I, I get what he's trying to do, though. Quentin Tarantino. He's showing like she's like the 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 foreign little like you know. Yeah. pipsqueak mousy kind of girlfriend who's always scared and crying and the scene where oh, he okay. flips out and she just jumps in the corner and she's 
petrified of him. I mean, that was his vision, right? So maybe she worked yeah. out in that sense. Yeah. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. I, I don't All think, right. I just don't think it worked out completely. I think in a, in a movie that otherwise the cast is spectacular. Even if that character exists, the actress playing that, that character, like, is, is not great. It, like, the scene where she's like, I want a pot. Like, what the... It just grinds oh, the movie to a halt. God, it's just like I fast forward. I'll yeah, fast it's, forward. It's that weird. Part. All right, so we we talked about what we what we like and dislike about the movie, and yeah, we want to give out awards to specific people who you know either helped this movie along, benefited from this movie greatly. The people that really that when you look at this movie, they deserve to get a bronze, silver, or gold medal. So. Derek, let's start with you. All right. Um, Who was your bronze Steve, medal winner for Pulp Fiction? Steve, Steve, I do apologize if I didn't pre, uh, preemptively let you know before this, but sometimes I do ties, and that is okay to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a tie here for bronze. My tie is John Travolta and Harvey Keitel. Um, two, of my, two of my favorite characters in the entire movie. It was really going to go to Harvey Keitel as Winston Wolf, but when I did my rewatch, I realized even though I don't quote John Travolta as much in this movie – He's just awesome in it. Like, I love this, the, the noises he makes, the, the laughs he does, the $5 shake stuff. He's just very enjoyable in this movie. And he just, he's, it's classic. Him and Winston Wolf, they, uh, they get the bronze medal together. I, I personally don't do ties. Uh, I'm, I'm better at this game than Derek. But, hey. uh, <laughs> but I am going to give my bronze medal to Uma Thurman. Wow. She gets an Oscar nomination off of this movie. She had been in stuff before, but coming off of this, she is an absolute capital S star. She is, she was a poster on my wall in college. And there were thousands of other people that had her up as well. And, you know, a few years later, she's in Batman and Robin destroys any goodwill that she has and has to go back to Quentin Tarantino to get it back. But yeah, she gets my bronze. Uh, Steve, do you have a uh, bronze medal winner? (sighs) Wow. Bronze, it, it's so hard though, because like it's like every character does such a good job, and it's so integral to the story. You know what I mean? Right. And he said Fabian. Oh yeah, she would get. <laughs> she would even place. She would even place. She gets. She gets the lead medal. You know what? Lead. <laughs> you know what? I think uh, for my bronze, I'm gonna put Butch in there. Butch is my bronze. Bruce Willis. All right. Yep. Bruce Willis gets the bronze. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Great. Again, you can't argue with too many. There's so many great roles in this. Yeah, Bruce Willis does an excellent job here. Derek, who do you have for silver? My silver award, and I cannot believe he's not getting gold, but he's getting silver because there's somebody who deserves the gold more. But my silver award goes to Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Oh, my um, God. Wow. He, see, he gets the silver. He is That's unbelievable in this He is unbelievable in this movie. He deserves, you know, much more, but there's somebody who's more important than him. Samuel Jackson's incredible. Yeah. He is so – I can't even t- explain to you how I feel like every line he says in this movie is something that I say on a daily basis. He might even go as – I might go as, as far as saying he, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah. He, gets my, he, gets, my, he gets my silver. In this situation, he gets my silver. Can't argue with that too much. My silver goes to John Travolta. And wow. Yep. Travolta, he's a huge star in the 70s and the early 80s. His career before this had really diminished. He he ends up doing romantic comedies with Bruce Willis voicing a talking baby. He ends up getting an Oscar nomination off of this, and he becomes a box office star again. He 
he sort of parlays this into making stuff like Face Off and a pattern here destroys his credibility when he makes Battlefield Earth and he really hasn't oh. he really hasn't got his his mojo back yet maybe maybe Tarantino can uh, step in and give him give him a role help him out again Steve uh, do you have a silver medal yes yeah, silver medal uh, Marcellus Wallace slash Ving Rhames Ving Rhames all right uh, you know what he's um, such a solid character um, and I think he for me he's very uh, very fitting to have that uh, that silver silver medal spot solid Steve coming in, coming in with different names than I expected. I like it. Uh, I know. Yeah, I'm surprised. Okay. So Derek, I think I probably know who it is, but there's there's no there is no other way to explain this. There's no other way. There's nobody else on the planet who deserves gold medal. Quentin Tarantino gets the gold medal. Yep. Um, he really? is just he is without Quentin Tarantino, you don't have anything. He is one of the greatest directors of all time, in my opinion. This film is like a piece of art. It's so fantastic. He crafts this movie with such elegance. If I could give him a higher award, I would. Yeah, he, wow. I agree. Uh, if, I, if I could give Tarantino the platinum medal, I, I definitely would. Uh, and, you know, again, honorable mention for me to the other people had mentioned, to Ving Rhames and, and to Samuel L. Jackson, who's like, they're, they're all incredible in their own right. Bruce Willis. Right. But Quentin Tarantino, this maybe is his masterpiece. You know, he... Mm-hmm. He resurrects careers with this. He launches careers with this movie. He wins his first screenplay Oscar. He's he's nominated for Best Director. And he, he really just parlays this movie into one of the, like Derek said, one of the great all-time directing careers. You right. can't argue with it. He wrote the movie. He directed it. This is his baby. And we're still talking. If he If he was struck by lightning the day this, after this movie came out, and he died, we'd still be talking about him. Correct. And you know, Rick, you bring up a great thing because I gave him the gold medal and he deserves it. But you just mentioned something that is so, maybe not that rare, but as far as greatness, he wrote this and he directed this. We and have very few. That's incredible. Yes. And, and we, have, we have very few legitimately great auteurs out there like Quentin Tarantino. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think like, who else do we have? Christopher Nolan, not um, even Scors- not even Scorsese writes his own. Scor- shit, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and like he's Tarantino's voice is so clear, and his vision is so clear that I I couldn't give it to anybody else. Steve, no one else deserves the gold. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, you've you've come out of some curveballs so far, and again, right. This this is this is your opinion, and I. There are five people, or just about, who I couldn't argue with for the gold medal for this movie. So, uh, if you get somebody else, go for it. But let us know who your gold medal is. So I understand Derek's uh, decision to make Tarantino the gold, and that to me, that's a given. Like, obviously, he created the movie. Without him, there would be no Pulp Fiction. That's a given. Well, Rick, Rick also gave him the gold. Yeah. Oh no, that's totally fine. And um, kind of going against the grain, and uh, to me, because it's just so obvious. Like Tarantino is the reason for the the reason the movie is here, right? Uh, and just kind of taking that fact, if I had to choose, the ne- I guess the next best thing, because like, again, to me, the director, yeah. it's, such, it's such a given. He, without him, there would be no creation. So it's, it's so obvious that he would get the gold. But to me, if I'm going to choose a gold in terms of who uh, delivered uh, Tarantino's vision the best, who brought it home, who really... Who is the most memorable character? For me, it is Jules. 
Samuel Jackson. He yeah. he's the most iconic character in the whole movie. He is so epic. His performance is is literally epic. You know, especially when he meets Brad in the apartment. He's telling him, eh, "Just keep chilling, keep chilling." You know that whole scene. It's so cool. It's so iconic. I think uh, I don't think anybody else could have delivered Tarantino's vision other than Samuel Jackson. And it's 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 to this day, it's one of my favorite. It, this whole movie is still one of my favorite movies of all time. But Samuel Jackson's performance is still so good. It's so amazing. And um, to me, if yeah. I'm going to give someone who can who can deliver Tarantino's vision, um, my gold goes to, to to Samuel Jackson. Yeah, and Steve, I agree. That, that's why I gave him the silver, because, like, if I'm going to go as far as, like, the, the best, my favorite character in the film is is Jules, by far. Right. But when it comes to the scope of everything, you know what For I mean? Sure. That's why I went with sure. But, like, like if, if we were doing, like, Gangs in New York right now, like, I would honestly, I would probably put Daniel Day-Lewis in the gold slot and Scorsese in the silver spot, which is a little bit of wow. a flip. But because Quentin wrote and directed this... Lead medal on that one goes to Cameron Diaz. <laughs> yeah just just directing a movie alone is very difficult and then to also be the guy who wrote everything in it is is right. like just beyond belief so derek i i understand we've talked about what we what we like and who the you know who we gave our medals i understand that you have a a, a role in this that you'd recast is that right yeah um you like i said you're probably you, you guys might be upset by this um but I, there, I, there's an actor who I'm not a big fan of. I never have been. Um, and I think he's, I think he's okay in this movie. I, I'm okay with it. But for some reason, I just wish somebody else played his part because he just gets on my nerves as far as I'm coming from, not that I'm this great actor or anything, but I come from a place of theater and I watch subtle things and I'm not the biggest Bruce Willis fan in the world. And I just feel like a lot of other actors could have done the role better. Um, who do, who although I think, I think he did a good job. You know, it's tough because I keep thinking about other Tarantino actors, so sure. to speak, who could have came, came in and filled this role. I actually don't have a specific one um, at this time, but I just, uh, when I was watching this movie in the past, he felt to me like a weak point in the movie because of uh, just sort of, and maybe Bruce Willis played the part as sort of a one-dimensional character of like, I'm pissed off and I want to get to my location. And that's the way he played it. And that may be the way it was written. So let me but, throw a name at you. And I wonder if this I, – honestly, now that I'm thinking of this, just sort of came to me. And I wonder if this guy was the first one that Tarantino had in mind and kind of then maybe couldn't get him and made the jump to Bruce Willis because Butch is a boxer. Right. Do you, do you think Stallone could do it? I was thinking Stallone at one point. Um, I, we should actually look this up later and see if he actually offered the part to him or if that was floating around. Yeah. Because – you know, I could picture Stallone in the car being like, what was your problem? I told you to get the watch. I yeah. said specifically, I could picture it. Yeah. No but way. But it would have been, it would have been cliche because like, you know, Stallone is yeah. the boxer. St and you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Stallone at this point, especially was very much like his way or the highway. I don't think right. he would have been open to be directed by Tarantino. like Bruce <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Right. Um, but true. I, I think, like I said, I think Bruce Willis did a good job. I just, um, I just wanted a more colorful actor in that role because everybody else is so colorful. For me, he was just so one-dimensional, and I wanted to see a little bit more from him. Um, but that's just my thing, and you know, that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, folks, if you have an opinion on that, or if any part in the movie could be recast, you can find us on on Twitter. Uh, we're at Great Movie Cast. Send us an email. 
greatest movie pod at uh, at gmail.com or find us on Facebook with the greatest movie of all time podcast. Really want to get a conversation going. We want to hear from you. So if you have an opinion on the, the casting of Pulp Fiction or if you want to see us do a movie, I know we got a, a request from the Matrix in there. I uh, saw that. Yep, I saw Matrix. Uh, we may wow. do that. And that might be coming in the future. and That'll be fun. That's, that's sick. Guys, I think we can agree. Only one movie can be the greatest movie of all time. We know this. Only one. We're going to watch all, every movie and we're going to, to figure out which one it is. But I would say that every movie does at least one thing better. You can say with certainty that one thing is better than every other movie. So, Steve, what does uh, what does Pulp Fiction do? What can you say about fi- Pulp Fiction that it does better than any other movie? I think Pulp Fiction tells the story much different than any other movie I've ever seen in terms of chronological order. You know, the Tarantino. We're going to start with uh, the end, and the middle is the end, or the actual end. The beginning is the middle. You know, it's just this cult kind of like, and you know, do you know why he does that with the, with this chronological order of storytelling? Do you know why he does that? I I don't I don't know. Why? I heard once. I think he he got the idea. Like he used to read novels, and he just like jumped to the middle. Like he just flip pages and start. Uh, that's how he kind of he reads he reads books. Hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I, I'm pretty sure that's why uh, he got the inspiration for that. Like he would just like open a book and start reading. So I think to answer your question. What does Pulp Fiction do better than other movies? I think Pulp Fiction makes you think. It makes you think outside the box and makes you... Plays with the timeline better than... Yeah, plays plays with the timeline and Pulp Fiction gives you the material, enough material to go super deep dive in the story. And there's so many Easter eggs. Uh, To me, that's what Pulp Fiction does. uh, Pulp Fiction does better than most movies. All right. So Derek... What, uh, what does this movie do best? I, I said it before. I'll say it again. The, the, the best thing that this does is dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, they, they, I mean, even some of my favorite movies of all time, I can say like, oh, the dialogue here, I would have changed. This movie just, I, I, I sit on every line. I just want to hear what they have to say. Um, the way they just go into, they, the way they go into conversations that nobody cares about, but you just care about. They're talking about a milkshake. They're talking about uh, a foot massage. It's just so intriguing the way Tarantino sets up his dialogue. I've never seen a better film in that sense of just listening to people talk about nonsense. I, I, I do this, this a little bit differently than, than you guys. I, uh, I have a statement that I can say about this movie that I can 100% stand behind. And this is going to sound very specific, but I, I would say that it's, I, can, I only have the specificity because of one other movie that is not better than it, but I think is neck and neck. All right. I would say Pulp Fiction is the best Tarantino movie of the 20th century. Granted, there are only three, but let's, let's call it so the first, the best movie of the first half of his career. Let's say that. So you're basically, yeah, you're basically saying you, you put Pulp Fiction above Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown. I do. And I would put it, Above all his all his other movies, except I think Inglorious Bastards is on the same level. I was going to agree with you with that if because you, you said earlier this is Tarantino's masterpiece. I said, and maybe. I agree. I agree with you that it's a maybe because I'm also yeah. on the exact same boat as you, where I feel like Pulp Fiction is his masterpiece of the '90s, 
uh, of the 20th century, and I think Inglorious Bastards is his masterpiece of the 21st century. Yeah, I, I, it's it's tough to say. Like I would, I'm so close to saying this is the best Tarantino movie, but Inglorious Bastards is so good. It's, and it's, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, I don't know if you agree. They're both A plus movies to me. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is creeping up, creeping up the list. Might, yeah. might get there. Yeah. It might get there. Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood is a movie where the longer I go from seeing it, the more I think about it, the better it gets. So there, we, it, it could be a, a three-way dance for Best Tarantino movie in the future. But regardless, this is his best of the first half of his career of the 20th century, of the 90s, however you want to put it. Right. So... Speaking of, of that, every year, the uh, Brain Trust of Hollywood gets together and they decide what they think the best movie of that year is be with the Oscars. So, mm-hmm. again, this is, this is a, a year that we have revisited. This is the third time going back to movies made in 1994. So, as a result, we've made a few edits to, to the nominees and the winners uh, for this year. So, you know, let's start with what it did win it best it won best original screenplay it was nominated for best picture director actor supporting actor supporting actress and editing did not win any of those but did win best original screenplay hmm. let's go through uh, the actual nominees for best picture uh, best picture the winner was Forrest Gump the other nominees were Pulp Fiction Four Weddings and a Funeral Quiz Show and the Shawshank Redemption previous episode Wow. So now, I mean, you're, wait, you're before talking... before we go any further, if you'll recall, we did another episode on The Lion King, and we decided for our records that Four Weddings and a Funeral would no longer be nominated, and we've replaced it with The Lion King. Right. Now, we did not decide on a winner between Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption. I was going to say, even without the Lion King in there, it's like a triple threat match. Because I think Forrest Gump does deserve to be in there. So I feel like those three, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, and, and Forrest Gump, it's like a triple threat match. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like, how can you even compare, compare the movies, really? It's, it's well, tough. You, you, you have to, because they're, they're all nominated. So I mean, I let's, mean, let's take a vote. Let's take a vote. Derek, so let, we got to pick one. No ties in this one. Of those five movies, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, The Lion King, Quiz Show, who's your winner? You're, uh, this is so difficult for me because it's neck and neck between two movies, and it's something that I never thought I had to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really don't know right now. Um, I, I, I don't think I can choose. I really don't okay. think I can choose between Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction right now because they're – That's exactly they're, what I thought. They're two. They're two of the best movies of all time, and they're they're just separate entities. And uh, if I had a gun to my head, I guess I'd go with Pulp Fiction, only just because it's a little bit more fun than Shawshank, and that's the only thing I give it above Shawshank. Shawshank's not necessarily a fun movie to watch, but it's just a great movie. Pulp Fiction also has the greatness, and it has the humor and the fun as well. Yeah, I here's the thing. I mean, we we watched Shawshank recently. Yep. And I listened back to the episode and we were so bullish on, oh, Shawshank should win this, it should win that. I feel like I need to put some distance between myself and these movies. And 
right. I, I feel pretty confident that we were going to be revisiting 1994 sooner rather than later. And we're going to have this conversation again. And oh, I'm dreading it. And for now, we'll mark, mark them one and one a Pulp Fiction and Shawshank. Right. But it's, we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll talk about this again. So best director. This is another one we made a change to. Best director, the winner was Robert Zemeckis for Forrest Gump. The other real nominees were Woody Allen, Bullets Over Broadway, Quentin Tarantino for Pulp Fiction, uh, Robert Redford for Quiz Show, and Christoph Kozlowski for Three Colors Red. Now, on our Shawshank episode, we took Woody Allen out and replaced him with Frank Darabont for Shawshank. Yeah, he deserves a nom. So, I mean, so the, the five remaining... Zemeckis, Darabont, Redford, Tarantino, Kislowski. It's got to be Tarantino, right? So who, who, who won that category? Zemeckis won for Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. I would, I mean, personally, I, I, like I said, I think Forrest Gump's a great movie, but Tarantino gets the win for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not so, as high on, I'm not as high on Forrest Gump as you are. I would definitely give it to Tarantino as well. Steve, what are your thoughts? I definitely, uh, so we're, we're choosing between Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and Shawshank. Say? Quiz show or three colors. Really, it's the same three movies that we're we're talking about. Well, and, and yeah, that. those three movies. It's just like, well, as far as directing, Honestly, goes, you gotta think it differently. You know, the, the directing. I mean, it's I don't know. For so Tarantino wins directing. See, for me, you might this little curveball maybe for you guys, but for me, the order would be number one for me is Shawshank, number two Pulp Fiction, number three for Forrest Gump. For direction. Just uh, or are we doing overall? This is this is well, this no, is this is director. director. This now. is director. Yeah. Director. Wow. Yeah. And so Robert wow. Zemeckis did Forrest Gump. I mean, I, I just think I think Frank Darabont for Shawshank Redemption had he had to I don't know he had he had a lot of work to do to make that movie what it was. You have the, it's the same location the whole movie. It's a fucking prison. You yeah. got to make it interesting. It's hard to do that. It's like the movie Clue. It's all in a house. How do you make it fun? Um, and exciting, right. and uh, but I still say Tarantino just did so much more in this movie to make you think. You catch things every time you watch it. For me, the director goes to Tarantino personally. Yeah, I I, I, uh, would, it, I would agree. Yeah, with that. It, if it's just if we're speaking strictly on director, um, I think I yeah I'll change it to Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Tarantino. Okay, so the other next one, uh, best actor, Tom Hanks wins for Forrest Gump. Morgan Freeman nominated for Shawshank Redemption. Nigel Hawthorne for The Madness of King George, Paul Newman for Nobody's Fool, and John Travolta for Pulp Fiction. Do we bump Travolta up? Should he win Best Actor? I'm going to stick with Tom Hanks for this one, personally. Yeah. I think John Travolta did a fantastic job, but yeah. and I, I think, uh, again, I think, um, what's his name? And, uh, Shawshank. Um, oh. Morgan Freeman did a great job, yeah. but I think Tom Hanks, he's just... I agree. I think... Yeah, I think Hanks carries that movie. I think right. if if there was if that performance went five degrees in one direction or five degrees in another direction, that movie would be considered like a laughable piece of trash. And he oh. he is the spine of that. So I got I got to keep it with 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 Tom Hanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, I guess I'd also have to give it to Tom Hanks just just because of how versatile he was and how like you said if it went one couple of degrees this way a couple of degrees that way it could be viewed way differently and it's yeah. just i think he uh 
he kept that balance the whole movie and it was a tough role to right. play and yeah plus i mean uh, well, like, like rick said like like if you think of pulp fiction john travolta was a key part of that movie he wasn't the whole movie yeah uh morgan freeman was a key part of shawshank he wasn't the whole movie Tom yeah. Hanks literally carried that fucking movie yeah. by himself. Yeah, he was the whole movie. Yeah, I agree. So nobody in Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, is won by Martin Landau uh, for Ed Wood, which is, a, which is a great performance. Samuel Jackson nominated for Pulp Fiction, Chaz Palminteri, uh, Bullets Over Broadway, Paul Schofield for Quiz Show, and Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump. I, I mean... How do, we, how do we feel about this category? I, I got to go back to Ed Wood and watch that movie, but because I don't remember his, I don't remember it that well. I'm giving it to Jackson because yeah, I think uh, I don't know. It's close for me. I think Gary Sinise is great as well, and in, in, yep. in Forrest Gump. But if I close my eyes and I picture Sam Jackson looking across the table at Tim Roth and saying those lines that I read earlier, get the fuck out of here. He gets the, the award. Like, what are you, what are we talking about here? Let's not yeah, overcomplicate yeah. things. You know, if, if that stuck with so many people over the years and I love Ed Wood and I think Garrison East, like I says, a great job as well, but got to give it to Sam Jackson for me. I, I give Samuel Jackson the, the best supporting actor award just on, just alone on being able to chug a Sprite while sipping it through a straw and staring at through somebody's soul. <laughs> <laughs> like right there, he deserves the fucking Oscar. <laughs> Fair enough, Steve. What are your thoughts? We're talking best actor, best supporting best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actor. Yep. So that's that's again. That's going to be your choices are Samuel Jackson, Martin Landau and Ed Wood, Chaz Palminteri and Bullets Over Broadway, Paul Schofield for Quiz Show, or Gary Sinise and Forrest Gump. Wow. Uh, since I know, like, I don't know 80% of those, I'll probably have to go with Sam Jackson because that's just a safe bet. That's yeah. just a safe, you know, Can't safe argue with bet. It. I think you, yeah, right. Here's, uh, here's one, wrong. here's one that'll be, here's the last one I want to talk about today is, uh, best supporting actress. The winner is Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway. Uh, other nominees, Rosemary Harris for a movie called Tom and Viv, Helen Mirren for The Madness of King George. Uma Thurman for Pulp Fiction, and Jennifer Tilly gets a nomination for Bullets Over Broadway. I have yeah. not seen any of those other movies. So I'm going to punt yeah. on that one, but I will say Uma Thurman did a great job, and I can't, I would not complain if she won. Right, same here. I agree with you. I think I'd have to agree, Uma Thurman. Yeah. So now's that time, Derek. God damn it. The most important part of this podcast. And what we do at the end of every episode is we are going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And our good friend and my co-host, Derek Smith, is going to take those 30 seconds and explain to us why he believes Pulp Fiction is the greatest movie of all time. I'll tell you what I'm not going to do, Rick. I'm not going to talk about the five different uh, (laughs) things in baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Because I thought I had more time left. Yeah. So... I'm going to put some time on the clock, Derek, and I'm going to tell you go. When I say go, go ahead. Ready? Go. This is a movie that has the greatest dialogue in the history of, of, of cinema. It's, it's incredible. Tarantino directs it. He writes it. 
There's so many Easter eggs in this movie. You can watch it 15 times and still not know everything. There's trivia that I learned today and I've been watching it since I was a teenager. John Travolta's comeback, Samuel Jackson's amazing uh, acting, uh, Uma Thurman's in it, Quentin Tarantino's in it, uh, Harvey Keitel. This is one of the best casts in the 90s, one of the best movies of the 90s. Uh, if that hasn't sold it already, let's move and that on. Is to music, the music. Okay. That is time. That is time. So, Derek, you raised some, some great points. And, you know, maybe the folks out there listening uh, have been swayed as well. And, you know, let us know what you think. Is Pulp Fiction the greatest movie of all time? Is it, you know, your least favorite Tarantino movie? Do you think we're idiots for not saying Forrest Gump is, is 10 times better? Let us know. Twitter, Facebook. Facebook seems to be the most active. So let's get on there. Send us an email. We'll be happy to read your opinion on the air, uh, if you so choose. So that does it for Pulp Fiction. Is there anything else that you guys want to say about this movie? I think we covered a lot. Uh, if anyone hasn't tried to watch Pulp Fiction on mute over uh, Dark Side of the Moon, I would probably recommend it. Give it a shot. It could happen. We'll never know. Make it a thing. Dark Side of the Fiction. Dark so, Side of the Fiction. Yep. R- R- Roger Waters was like, yeah, I mean, I wrote the album in 73, <laughs> but I meant for Pulp Fiction 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. I, I traveled through time. I saw Pulp Fiction. I wrote an album. Hell so, yeah. So we've had a, a great discussion here. Steve, is there anything that, uh, that you want to plug uh, as a guest on our show? plug huh well i yeah. guess uh the cosmic vultures check us out we're on uh we're on facebook and no, i'm just kidding no, <laughs> that's just he's, just not, so he you, is you, not kidding no you shouldn't be kidding plug your plug your band it's a, it's a fun that, band that's there. my band uh yeah. derek's also in the band we're, we're new out we have a new album coming out probably november yeah. uh, 14th called too Which, many shapes hey my, my wedding anniversary about it. it's also oh, steve's birthday oh that's my birthday yeah. that's so yep. cool so um, well, we're very excited about it. The seven, seven song album, but a half hour. I think people are going to like it. It's exciting. And yeah, that's uh, check us out. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Very fun band. Check yeah. them out uh, on, on Bandcamp or, or wherever you get your music. Spotify. You guys are Spotify. Spotify. Yep. yep. Pretty much where most of you are going to get your music anyway. So check them out. Yeah. Very fun band. Hey, to listen guys, to. Uh, thanks for having me on guys. This is really fun. Glad to have you next week. Unfortunately, Steve is not going to be with us, but Derek and I are going to be doing a Halloween episode. Derek, wah, wah. what movie did we choose for our inaugural choosing, Halloween episode? We are choosing the 70s horror classic of The Exorcist. Yes. Uh, we're going to go deep into that one. It's a uh, – some people to this day think it's the scariest movie ever made. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably watch the director's cut. With the uh, with the spider walk, so same here. Uh, spider, you need the spider walk, and I'm gonna watch it during the day. Oh, I'm gonna watch it late at night. Hopefully, oh, there's God. a thunderstorm. <laughs> you got so, bigger, bigger balls than I do. Some some people say it's the scariest movie of all time. I have some opinions on that as well. I think it's uh, well. We'll see what we think about it next episode. We'll, see, uh, we'll, see. well that's that's what we call in the business a tease. So please join us for the Exorcist next time. This time, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I've been your co-host, Derek Smith. And we've also had our guest, Steve Constantino. So for everyone on the show, keep watching.